You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode was recorded earlier in the COVID pandemic, and certain details may not reflect current circumstances. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Elisa Gardner, host of Develop Your Character, brought to you by Camp Broadway. We'll be bringing you candid conversations with theater educators, industry experts, and insiders, and savvy parents geared toward helping culture-loving kids and aspiring artists become great performers on and off stage at every stage of their lives. Our guest today is Jenna Gavigan, author of the middle grade novel Lulu the Broadway Mouse and a professional actress for more than half of her young life. A fourth-generation New Yorker, Jenna has appeared on Broadway, on TV, in films, and on stages from coast to coast. She's also a recent Columbia University graduate with a BA in creative writing. And we are thrilled to have her join us today as we're all practicing social distancing through the magic of Zencaster. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Jenna. Thanks so where are you hold up? <laughs> Sorry, where are you hold up right now? I'm in, I'm in our living room. I guess I am actually in my um, my parents' home because my husband and I live in a very small apartment in New York City. We um, we moved for a little bit to the suburbs, so I'm in I'm in the house where I grew up. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, yeah. So so you're just uh, keeping your distance, keeping safe and healthy. Um, yes. Tell us about what got things started for you. You're a writer. You're an actress. What came first for you as a kid? Do you remember being interested in both from early on, or was it just like, you know, the performing thing? I mean, was, the performing was, yeah. was the strong thing. Um, I, I, looking back, like we found recently um, some, you know, like books I had written in, in school, but I don't think I was writing them voluntarily. I was writing them because it was an assignment. Um, so I, I was like, I always enjoyed writing, but it was never anything that I, I really thought of as a career. Being an actress was always um, the goal for sure, since I, as far back as I can remember, to be honest. Right. Well, given that, at what point did you decide you wanted to begin auditioning and how did you go about that? I assume you and your mom or your parents, uh, what steps did you take and what resources were available to you? Yeah. So I grew up here, um, you know, with no traffic, 45 minutes to, to midtown Manhattan. So I already had the leg up of, of living close to Broadway. Um, so we weren't, you know, there were other little girls I would audition with who had suitcases who would come in from 
out of town. Um, and I was always just amazed by them and their parents. Um, I was doing after school programs. My after school program was called Dance, Drama, and Song. It was like two towns over, and um, wonderful people ran it. And you know, dance class, acting classes, voice lessons, and all of that. And then um, the guy who ran the program at the time, his name was Chris Rich. He took my mom aside and said, "You know, I think she can start. She's ready to start auditioning if that's something that you all want to pursue." Um, and I'm an only child, so it was a little easier for my family than if I had a couple siblings who were all doing other things. Um, so they said, okay, well, you know, we'll give it a shot, but, um, schoolwork always has to stay done and done well. Um, so I started, I think in the fifth grade, I started auditioning, but not, not in an intense way, like things here and there. And then right as fifth grade was turning into sixth. Um, they were auditioning for the Sound of Music revival starring Rebecca Luger. And that was my mm -hmm. first um, Broadway audition. And I got very close. I had a couple callbacks for Brigida and um, and then didn't get it. So that was <laughs> that was um, a really interesting um, entry to professional show business, the getting really close and, and not getting it. Um, yeah. Was that tough that a at a very young age like that? Yeah, but it was. It was. Um, I had, you know, I don't know if I was naive or if we were naive, but everything was just going so well that we sort of just assumed that it would happen. So yes, we were being naive. Um, and yeah, when it didn't happen, it was, it was very, and The Sound of Music was a show that I, you know, a movie that I watched just all day long growing up. Um, so it was so dear to me on top of everything else. Um, and then, yeah, right after, it seemed like for some reason that year, I can, I can age myself. That was, I think, 1997 or 1998. Um, for some reason, those like two years right around there, there were all of these shows on Broadway with kids. So I spent the next two years, not only auditioning for whenever anyone would, uh, whenever they need a replacement for The Sound of Music, um, also auditioning for a bunch of other shows and, and a play. I, I got really close to that revival of Wait Until Dark um, with Marissa Tomei, um, which was interesting. You know, the little musical theater girl uh, getting close to a straight play. But uh, yeah, it was a really busy few years and um, totally just jam-packed with rejection. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you did make your Broadway debut in a pretty huge way, uh, understudying the role of June and playing the Hollywood Blondes in a revival of Gypsy that I loved, directed by Sam Mendes and starring Bernadette Peters as Mama Rose. How, how old were you at that time? I was 16. Roughly? 16, yeah, I mean, right. We started rehearsals in, um, in January of 2003. Uh, I actually got the job a week before we started rehearsals and, um, and then I turned 17 that June. Um, yeah, it was worth the wait. I mean, going wow. back, if I could have told that little girl getting rejected all those times for The Sound of Music and um, Annie Get Your Gun also with Bernadette, didn't get that one. Um, a, bunch of, a bunch of shows, High Society, didn't get that. Um, it was absolutely worth waiting to make my debut in Gypsy and with Bernadette and Sam and the company was just extraordinary. Um, it was. 
it was worth it. It was. What was it like working with that kind of really high profile talent at a a pretty young age? As as a younger actor, are you made to feel fully part of the team or did you feel sheltered or protected, which I guess is not a bad thing necessarily? Did how did you fit in? I because point? I was sixteen and 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 also you know technically in an adult track, um, mm-hmm. sixteen and I believe is the cutoff for where you have to have a guardian. So I didn't. Um, I wasn't with the other kids. There were quite a few mm-hmm. kids in the show. I think from about nine to twelve they were. Um, I was not with them. I was with the adults, and yet I was still a teenager and having to be tutored and you know all of that stuff. Um, so I was very much considered a member of the adult company and was in rehearsal with all of them. And so, uh, you know, kind of thrown in into being an adult, but, um, Sam did an amazing thing from the beginning. I remember thinking, oh, I'll never be in rehearsal because June's only in half the show and the Hollywood wands are hardly in it. So I'll never be at rehearsal. Like that'll be awful. And then from day one, he was like, nope, everybody's here even if you don't last in the scene, I'm going to put you in the scene from the beginning and we're all going to be a part of this. And it just made us a family. It made us a company. And it, I, at least for me, really drove home how important it is to be um, a member of your company, a member of your team. Uh, we moved scenery. That was the sort of show within the show thing of, of our production. So half the show I spent dressed up like a stagehand, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like I was in Oliver or something. Um, yeah. And we moved, you know, we moved set pieces, like every scene change, we would basically the entire ensemble would be down there and some principals um, down there moving set pieces. So it was very much a dance. And um, I think because of that, we all felt much more a part of the show than, than we would have in a different setup. Yeah. And after that, you did uh, you did film and TV. You got into that pretty quickly. You appeared on series like Law and Order, SVU, Commander in Chief, then later on The Good Wife and Boardwalk Empire, among others. What's the process of seeking out screen work? Is, is it different for a young actor than working in theater? Is it an entirely different community you're engaging or is there some overlap? Um, you know, at the time I had... I. I had really wonderful agents and a wonderful manager and, and they just sort of looked out for me um, for everything. And yeah, during Gypsy, I was cast in um, the film Kinsey uh, to play Liam Neeson and Laura Linney's daughter, which was, I saw you know, that. Again, it's like you make your Broadway debut with Bernadette Peters and Sam Mendes, and then you make your film debut with Liam and Laura and then Bill Condon wrote and directed the movie. So the bars were just set stupidly high from there on out. Um, and I, I actually shot that while I was doing Gypsy. So uh, the only shows I took off from Gypsy, except for one sick day, um, I took three days off to work on other things. And uh, I think two of them were for Kinsey and one of them was for Law and Order SVU. I, I can't remember which was which, but I think part of why I got those jobs was because I had Gypsy and the jobs didn't feel as important. So I wasn't going into Kinsey going, I have to get this. I have to work with them. I was going into it going, okay, this is an audition. And then I get to go do my matinee. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of took the pressure off. I, and I, I've noticed that throughout my whole career that, and I think anyone would tell you this, when you are working, you audition better. Uh, because 
the stakes just aren't as high, it, it feels. It's always important to get the jobs. And especially with film and television, you know, you still get checks many years later, you're able to live on these jobs. Um, so they are important. Every one of them is important. But I think when you're already working on something you love, the pressure is just kind of off. Um, and I very early on, I did a, a, um, I did the workshop of spring awakening that roundabout did in 2000, it was right before nine 11. So summer of 2001. Um, and I, I guess I hadn't realized it before then, but I realized during that, that I, I am very good at crying. Um, as an actor. <laughs> and that has served me very well in um, the television and film world. My ability to cry and cry on cue in an audition room and when the cameras are rolling um, has been uh, very, very helpful. <laughs> so I think that's part of um, why I've worked so much on screen. <laughs> so there, there's your advice for young actors. Learn yeah. how to cry and just Learn don't use it. On and, you know, when you're 20, look like you're 16. Um, that <laughs> you can't really control either one of those things. But um, <laughs> no, my advice would be, I, I do think you need to be aware of the difference in the mediums. I don't think there's as drastic of a difference as people maybe in classes and such would make it seem. Um, I do think in the end, it's all about listening and understanding, you know, your place in the scene and, and your character's place in the scene. Um, but I think, you know, early, early on, like in my, in my team, my early teens, I definitely remember going into on-camera auditions and casting directors going, oh, you're a musical theater actress. Cause everything was just so big and just knowing how to kind of go, okay, I'm not hitting the back balcony. I'm all I'm doing is talking to this person across from me. Um, that's really all you kind of need to adjust in your mind um, mm -hmm. when you're auditioning, you know, between the two. Right. What was the impetus for Lulu the Broadway Mouse? It's it's a really charming book about a mouse who lives in the Schubert Theater where you <laughs> performed. Uh, was that in any way, how did you decide to kind of, I guess, maybe take a break from the stage and screen acting and do some writing? Was that inspired by your experiences as a young actress? I Very much so. I um, During Gypsy, we, we had some mice backstage um, and as a lot of old New York City buildings do. <laughs> and the mice always seemed, when we'd see them, they never seemed afraid. They always seemed like they had big personalities and like they they wanted to be a part of the show. At least that's what I told myself because I was scared of them because they were mice. And um, so I had this idea for a long time of this mouse who wants to be on Broadway. And it just kind of kicked around in my brain for quite a while. Um, and the way my college life went was I did... Right after Gypsy closed, I I did a full year at Columbia, normal, 18 years old, freshman year, normal, normal. And then I got a job commander in chief that moved me to Los Angeles. And I was there for six years. So um, I, I would come back for summer sessions here and there. But then I came back full time uh, right after my 25th birthday. So I did most of my college Um from age 25 on. I graduated right as I was turning 28, I think. Um, so I had kind of an idea that I wanted to also be a writer because of all the time I'd spent in LA reading scripts and um, working on TV. And I, I really liked the idea of maybe writing on TV. 
so when I went back to Columbia, I declared creative writing. And um, my last semester there, I took a, a children's book writing class. It was a picture book class. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do this story, this mouse who wants to be on Broadway. Um, and I got into a, a, a writing conference from that and met my now book agent. And she sat down with me and she was like, you know, this book's kind of boring and you don't seem boring and the actual story doesn't seem boring. So what's that about? And we very quickly realized that it's because I had put it in a picture book format and it just was so simple. And she's like, I think it needs to be a novel. This needs to be a story. Um, and I finally sat down to write it as a full novel, right? I did a play called Straight off Broadway a few years ago, um, I guess 2016. And that show closed and I was just like not, I was not ready to leave the theater again. So I sat down and I wrote, I wrote this novel. Um, and then a year later, uh, someone bought it, a publishing company bought it. And now we have the sequel, the show must go on. Um, so yes, it's very much inspired, especially by the early years uh, in show business, the sound of music years, the getting rejected years. Um, very much inspired by that. Uh, and like a tribute to that little girl who just wanted to perform. Uh, I think mm -hmm. as an adult, I had maybe lost, um, I, had, I had, the love of it wasn't being put first anymore. The making health insurance was being put first and the <laughs> bills and the, and the making rent and all that kind of stuff that does unfortunately um, come up when you are a grown up. Um, but I think I had lost, I had lost the love and I needed to get it back. And that's what writing these books did. Right. So you'll be writing and performing in the future, hopefully. You'll be doing yeah, both. I, I, the books have definitely, especially writing the second book, I wrote and edited it and it was on my floor in a box by Christmas time. So it was basically January to December, Lulu 2, um, kind of took up 2019. So you wrote this very charming book, Lulu the Broadway Mouse, about a mouse that lives in the Schubert Theater where you performed, and now you have a new book out. Uh, tell us a bit about that, and were these books in any way inspired by your experiences as a young actress? Yeah, so the second book is called, its full title is called Lulu the Broadway Mouse, The Show Must Go On, um, which is interesting. It actually came out, um, if... I don't know if we consider previews or, or opening nights anniversaries of Broadway debuts, but it came out on the anniversary of our first preview of Gypsy. So that in itself is interesting. And it also came out while obviously Broadway is shut down. Um, so the show must go on is a, a very uh, timely title for right now. But yeah, so it is a it is a direct sequel to Lulu the Broadway Mouse. So it, it basically picks up right where the first book left off. Um, and I say basically because what the introduction does is fast forward in time and I'm not giving anything away. I'm Lulu says our show is closing. Okay. Let's go back in time. So you can see how this all happened. Um, so they basically start with this heartbreaking news that the show is closing. Uh, and that happened to us <laughs> during gypsy. Um, we were told our show was closing and uh, we all went out and, did what we could to sell tickets and they canceled our closing notice. Um, so this book is very much inspired by uh, that happening and 
Um, it, it by no means directly follows what happened, uh, obviously, mainly because Lulu is at the helm of this. But uh, yeah, that was really, that was hard to have happen. It just felt like it was too soon for us to close. And we made it so that that didn't happen. And, um, you know, we've got that that kind of binds us together forever that we all went out and saved our show. It's kind of cool. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love I love the sequel. I'm it's it's a little more if you've read the first book, the first book is a, a little more cozy. It's 100 percent set at the theater um, and it's much more about like setting the scene for what being a part of this show is. Um, and Lulu continually striving to attain her dream. The second book is a bit more action packed. There's obviously the stakes are super high because the show is closing and, um, and Lulu actually gets out of the theater in the second book, which is exciting. It was exciting to write. I finally got to move outside of the walls of the theater, but yeah, I, I, you know, I audition when I can, I work, you know, again, mostly TV. Um, but I work when I can, but it's very nice that I, um, that I've been able to find this other thing that I love so much and that can be done on my own timeline and, um, in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, what, what advice would you give to kids getting into, uh, the business today and their parents about, um, you know, the environment's a little different. There's a greater prevalence of technology and just plain old generational shifts. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can speak to all the technology stuff because I, I have to say, I mean, we, we barely had the internet when I started auditioning, at least in my house, the internet existed, but it wasn't a thing that everyone was running around with. And we certainly didn't have smartphones and social media and all of that. So while you know, it was still hard to find out that someone else got a job or what have you. It wasn't as in your face as it seems to be now. So I really give these kids a lot of credit because emotionally, I, I, I kind of can't wrap my head around how difficult it must be to just kind of be bombarded by it all day and to also feel the pressure to do all the things, to do all the concerts, to do all the classes, to have an active profile, to all of these things. Um, so I don't know if I can speak to that because I don't know how I, <laughs> I, I don't really embrace social media as much as I should now. Um, but I, I think what I would say is like, at, it doesn't really matter when you enter show business. The thing that you have to remember that we can often forget is that, that you are a part of a team and you are a part of a company. It is not all about you. And that is very hard to learn because it does feel like it's all about you. You are the one going into the room. You are the one taking the time to learn the sides and the music and spending the money and the time and all of that. But it is, it is not all about you. And that can actually comfort you because one, if you don't get a job, it doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't right. It just means someone else was more right. Um, they're not looking, oh, that person is so wrong. They're looking, oh, that person is so right. They're just getting their checking, you know, checking boxes off kind of thing and getting from step to step to step. Um, so I think kind of taking the pressure off yourself of feeling like, you know, this is like the be all end all. I have to do this. I have to kind of try as best you can to throw that all away. And it really took me 
I mean, I would say I didn't really grasp this until I was about 30 years old, to be honest. Um, I I spent a lot of my 20s auditioning in Los Angeles and working there. And and I worked a lot. I think I would have worked even more if I had just gone in and done good work and left and Mm -hmm. tried my best to just leave it all behind and you know, at the end of the day, just always reminded myself, you were doing this because you love it. You were doing this because you like playing make-believe. Um, so I think for the kids to kind of just go in and have fun and, and know that, you know, every job isn't the be all end all there. There, even right now when Broadway is closed, there will be more Broadway shows. There always will be, there will be more television shows. There will be more movies. Um, just to go in and, and have fun and be respectful of not just the people you are auditioning for, but be respectful of the people in the waiting room and be a person who someone 10, 20 years later goes, I loved working with that person. Or even though I didn't hire that person, I remember their audition because they were prepared and they were kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are things, those are the things you can control the other stuff you can't control. So why spend your time on it? <laughs> Um, if that makes sense. I think that's something that would be true in 1950 and is is true now. Just be a person that someone wants to work with. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, since the title and the mission of this podcast are Develop Your Character, uh, tell us what character means to you. Well, I would say that, that you are, are someone who is respectful of the work you're doing, respectful of the people you work with. Um, That means being on time. That means being prepared, being as prepared as you can. I mean, your audition is not what's going to be on the stage or on the screen. Just be as prepared as you can. Um, You know, you can please hold your sides and hold your music. You can even hold your music. It's okay. Um, You know, just be prepared and be respectful. All of those things, I think, character and then sort of going, okay, I am the only one that is me. And I struggled with this as well. I I look back, especially in LA, I think um, it's just a different environment than New York. Uh, But like my hair was longer and I had, you know, like lighter highlights. And I felt like I was trying to fit into some box that I thought I had to fit into instead of just kind of being me. Um, And it wasn't until very recently that I was like, you know what? Like, I can just be me because no one else is bringing Jenna Gavigan into the room. They might bring someone into the room who looks like me and sings like me and, you know, can fit the same costumes as I can fit. But no one is actually bringing me in. And I look back at the jobs that I got And the reason I got them was because I was going in with that mentality of you, Jenna, are enough. Everything else you don't need to listen to. Um, So, yeah, just try to be kind to yourself and appreciate who you are and what makes you you and what makes you unique. Yes, that's that's good advice from someone who's going to be a mom herself. Is that right? That's not right. Too long? Yeah. <laughs> I am this summer. Yes, I am. I can't believe it. I still feel like I'm 16, but I'm very much not. Well, um, you look it. That's that's what counts. <laughs> if you look at it, you feel 
congratulations on that. And thanks again, Jenna. And uh, thanks to all of you who've tuned into this episode of Develop Your Character. We are always looking for listeners' input. So if you have a question or an observation about Jenna, something we've discussed here, or anything else theater or character related, you can reach us on social media or visit our website. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes or share with your friends on social media. And for more information on Camp Broadway, Broadway's original destination for theater-loving kids, check out our site at campbroadway.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.